Good morning. This is Sunday Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. With me is Heim Goodman-Strauss. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning, Heim. Heim is a math professor at the University of Arkansas. With us on the phone from Dartmouth is Peter Winkler. Peter, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm pretty good. Peter is the author of, among other books, Mathematical Mindbenders. And last week, you had, you had given us this uh, problem. We have a rod that's about uh, a meter long. And there are 25 ants, some facing east, some facing west. The 13th ant, the ant in the middle, is Ant Alice. Now, a whistle blows. The ants start marching in the direction they're facing. And they are moving a centimeter per second. Here's the catch. When an ant headed east and an ant headed west bump into each other, they reverse direction. The question was, asked in either one of two ways, how long is it before Aunt Alice falls off the rod and actually how long is it before all ants have cleared the rod? Did I get that right? Yeah. I have to say this is a really a, one of my favorite problems. It's okay. Got... Well, I'm going to let the two of you then discuss the beauty of this so problem. So how, how do you go about it? Well, the, the, the key to this problem is realizing that if you don't care about the identities of the ants, then it actually doesn't matter that the, whether the ants bounce off each other or simply pass through one another. It's as if they're and like if ghosts. If they pass through one another, then there's actually no interaction between the ants on the rod. So each ant simply marches in whatever direction he or she is going and, and until they fall off the end of the rod. And uh, since the rod is 100 meters long, and they march, excuse me, 100 centimeters long, and they march at one centimeter per second, um, every ant has marched himself off the rod uh, by, a, by the time of 100 seconds. In fact, the last ant to come off will probably take almost 100 seconds to do that. Um, because most likely there is some ant which is near one end of the rod mm -hmm. and facing the other end. Mm -hmm. But uh, as I say, the, the key is that uh, uh, it doesn't matter really whether the ants bounce off each other or, uh, um, or just pass through each other. Let me ask you, in your book... Um you have these nice discussions of the histories of a lot of these problems, or you track mm -hmm. them around. How, how do these problems propagate? Um. Uh, problems, uh, mathematical puzzles sort of propagate the way jokes do. Um, they, they, they go mostly by word of mouth. They occasionally appear in, appear in publications. And it's pretty difficult to track down the origin of a puzzle. And I, I think I've done a better job tracking down some of them with, with this book than I did with my last one. Um, because this time I was aware that I was collecting problems to be published. Mm -hmm. But even so, there are a great many problems, including this problem about Aunt Alice, whose origin is not really known. Hmm. Uh, and, and when you start to try to find origins or, or get to near the origin of a puzzle, do you look in, I mean, in the way someone would try to find the origin of a word or something? You just go back and, into transcripts and... and and examples of the of the puzzle. Well, you you um, you can look in old books. For example, many great puzzles have been uh, considered before by Martin Gardner. Mm -hmm. um, and you can ask the people who who passed the puzzle to you um, if if they can recall who passed it to them. Yeah, I got the sense that you were at, tracing them <laughs> back that way. That's in that's what I was cases. doing. But sometimes that leads to a dead end. Mm -hmm. People just can't remember where they heard a puzzle. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, then there is always, I guess, the chance that a new puzzle is developed as well. Uh, that does happen, and some some of the puzzles are my own invention, and mm-hmm. at least those I know about. <laughs> yeah, I guess many of these stimulate new ideas, right? And and I guess variations. And do you find that um, developments in technology or or even popular culture can can change a puzzle over time? Um. Well, the form in which a puzzle is asked can certainly change, mm-hmm. uh, um, but. Uh, what happens is that, that uh, scientific discovery and mathematical discovery uh, often creates a new puzzle just by accident. And uh, it's marvelous when that happens. I mean, because many, most puzzles are puzzles that could be stated. Uh, it could have been stated 2,000 years ago. Um, but the, the mathematics that, that uh, caused them to arise might just be something that was considered only last year. Gotcha. And, and so uh, one more puzzle for us, Mr. Winkler? I, w- I would like to mention one more puzzle, which uh, I think is quite intriguing. Um, some of the puzzles in my book belong to a category which I call puzzles you think you must not have heard correctly. Oh, yes. And uh, this is the title of a talk I gave at the, at the last gathering for Gardner. And uh, one of the puzzles, uh, which uh, came to me fairly recently from France, is a particular, particularly delightful puzzle of this category. It involves an ice cream cake. And the way the puzzle works is this. You are presented with a, an ordinary cylindrical that is cake-shaped ice cream cake, which has chocolate icing on the top. Now you, you choose an arbitrary angle X. And you're going to cut successive wedges out of the cake of angle X. By successive wedges, I mean you work your way around the cake. Um, carving one piece of angle X after another, the way you ordinarily would when cutting a birthday cake. Um, my experience, if you're a right-handed person, moves around the cake counterclockwise, for example. But here's the catch. Every time you cut a slice of the cake, you, you slide it out, turn it upside down, with the icing down now, mm-hmm. and slide it back into the cake in its original position. Then you cut the next piece, turn it upside down, slide it back in, and continue in this way around the cake and around and around the cake. Okay. Okay. Now, your your mission is to prove that after a finite number of these operations, all of the icing will be back on top of the cake. Now, these are weird these are weird a weird angle. It's not like a, you know, 1/6 of the cake that you're cutting well, out. That's each right. Time. Now, this is the catch, right? It, it sounds like this is plausible. If the angle is a, uh, um, a, uh, an integer divisor of 2 pi, in other words, uh, if, if, it, if it cuts around the cake evenly. Right? So if you cut the cake into exactly eight pieces, then if you went around the cake twice, then all the icing would indeed be back on top. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because you will just problem, yeah. put it upside down and then right side back up. That's right. But the amazing thing about this problem is that it claims to be the case that, that you get all the icing back on top, even if the angle you pick is some irrational angle. Yeah, that just, that, I don't think I heard that correctly. It seems impossible. <laughs> it seems impossible because you know that every time you cut a slice, you're cutting in a new place that's never been cut before. Mm-hmm. 
So it seems impossible that you could get all the icing back on top of the cake. But you just have to try it to see that that this amazing thing works. But it takes uh, quite a long while, doesn't it, typically? It could take quite a while. I was thinking of putting the problem in my book with the angle pi degrees. <laughs> I, uh, I was thinking I could, I, could, I could have the first book which has an angle of pi degrees in it and not have it be a typo. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if, if you actually do pi degrees, it, it takes uh, uh, some thousands of, of, uh, of cuts around the cake to get all the icing wow. back on top, but it does still work. I think the cake would turn to mush by that point. Well, you know, you have to, it, it's an ice cream cake, so it's self-healing, and if you, if oh, you do all this at the right temperature. I see. Do it in a, that's, in a cold room. I was wondering what the point of it, you know, being an ice cream cake particularly yeah, that's, is. That, that was my innovation. The, I see. Uh, <laughs> I thought that if you did it with an ordinary cake, then it would certainly all fall to crumble. Crumble, right. Right. Yeah. That uh, and other puzzles. So you're not going to answer that next week where people are left to look that up in the book? That's right. I'll leave that to people to look up in the book. Go get your cake. Go get the book. (laughs) Mathematical Mindbenders by Peter Winkler. Peter, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Peter. You're very welcome.